Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We give you all the tools, strategies, resources, and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. And my name is Luke Shankula, aka Longform Luke, and this is the Loans On Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents and put loan officers in the driver's seat. And I think today's gonna be a special episode because we have Jill Underwood. She is, I think, the mortgage queen. I think that's what you said. I hope I said that right. But she's been in the industry, what she said, darn near 40 years, which is awesome. So we'll talk a little bit about how she helps her clients grow, her real estate partners grow. But before that, Jill, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Well, thank you, Luke. I'm just stoked to be here with you. Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, we talked a little bit off air here, but tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us some background on who you are, why you got into the industry and what made you spend 40 years or darn near 40 years in this industry, which is insane, right? You know, it is insane. And even to say that number, it blows my mind, especially since I feel like I'm, you know, 40 years old. So, (laughs) you know, I started in the industry back in the 1980s. My mother was a real estate agent and Mm -hmm. she was a huge influence in my life. And when I was, you know, a teenager, she taught me about, you know, how to put buyers and sellers together and keep everybody happy, how to negotiate you know, equity and some of the terms of real estate. So when I was a teenager, I basically just followed my mom around and that's how I learned what she did. And she had amazing people skills. So Mm -hmm. I learned a lot of my people skills from my mom. But when I went to college and I am degreed in real estate, my finance class, I lived in Texas then, I'm from Texas. My Texas Mm -hmm. real estate finance class just spoke to me but I'm really good at math. So the math part of it came really easy. And then the people skills came really easy. So that's how I landed on the mortgage side, as opposed to the real estate side. So I just, I literally got a job as a receptionist and worked my way up the ladder. So, you know, assistant to the processor, processor, senior processor, loan officer, and I've stayed in originations all these years. I tried to get into management at some point, but I just am so passionate about helping the clients make a great decision. So I love being on the front lines and being face-to-face with my clients. That just gives me great pleasure. I love it. And I think one thing that sometimes loan officers forget is they're they're changing people's life, their trajectory of life, like when they're doing these loans, right? Like, yeah, it sounds like on paper, it's like, oh, you just, you know, put loans together, you you know, you got to do these papers, and you got to, you know, structure and all that kind of stuff. But the truth is, like, you're changing one, probably the wealth path of their family, and future families, possibly, you know, we're creating wealth, you're changing, like, the way they've lived for the last X amount of years, especially if they're, you know, first time homebuyers. So there's a lot of great things that you can pull from being an originator that like, I think so many times people forget about like how much impact as an originator you can have in the world. Right. I mean, like who else has this much, I would call it power almost to influence wealth of such a vast majority of people in this country. Right. I mean, because I think the stat is that homeowners are 40 X wealthier than renters or some stat like that is what it is. It's just like, you're literally creating wealth by being a loan officer. So I love that you're passionate about it. And I'm sure that's something that plays into your philosophies, right? Right. Absolutely. And really a lot of the conversations that I have 
with my buyers, especially the first time buyers, there's a lot of couples in their 20s that are buying a house and then they're going to get married. And it's important to counsel with them. And I will ask the question, what does your life look like in five years from now or 10 years or 25 mm -hmm. years from now? Because I want them to think about that because I want them to think about the fact that, okay, maybe right now, we do get into a teeny tiny starter home, but then we can walk down the path together of, okay, let's put you into something reasonable now. Sure. And then in two years, let's see if it's better for you to sell or keep it as a rental, save your money. And I talk them out of getting out of debt and the two ways that I believe to look at that, get out of this debt, save some money. Let's get into the next one because I'll teach these kids how to build you know, a portfolio of rental properties mm -hmm. to have another stream of income if they sure. are desirous of doing so. Some people aren't, but the thing that I've learned over the course of my business is to always stay in touch. And it's not that I really call everybody twice a year or anything, but I'm still visible in front of them. Even if sure. it's on social media, I stay visible in front of them. Now it's more socials, probably more than mailing a postcard in the mail over the right. course of time i've done you know postcards every single month with some cheesy marketing or a cute picture you know i've got you know email campaigns that go out there's a number of ways to stay in touch but mm -hmm. i find that my clients stay with me through all of their life cycles and i've been here for them so i love it you know we all know it's relational everybody knows that word it's relational, not transactional. And right. I think that that is, I mean, it's 35% of my business year over year. So it obviously works. Well, and I would say that the right way to think about it is relational. And, and the truth is so many people don't look at it as relational. They look at it as transactional. They're always looking for that deal today where they don't think about the fact that like, okay, this deal is probably going to be another deal in four to seven years or whatever, 10 years, whatever the expected amount of time that people stay in a house. But historically it was like four to seven years. I think it's maybe gone up a little bit recently, maybe eight, 10 years, but still like every 10 years, as long as you're planning on being in the industry for a long time, like you should be able to pull three, four or five lifetime transactions out of these people. And then obviously then you get to deal with first, second, third generations, all that kind of fun stuff over time, which I'm sure you've kind of dealt with now is, you know, referrals and things like that from family members. So it's huge yeah. to do that. Yeah. I contend, and, and I've had this strategy for a number of years, for every loan I do, there's five mm -hmm. more behind it, but I got to go find them. I got to hunt them down, right? Right. Because that's what we are. We're hunters out right. here as originators. We got to hunt it down which means talking to people. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. And so tell us a little bit about how you've kind of done that over the years. What I did like, you know, just to kind of point that out was you talked about like, you're basically future pacing them and making them look into the future as like, what are your future goals? And so I think one thing that does is already it sets you apart from everybody else, right? Because most people are, again, are going to say, well, what are you doing? What's your income? What's your credit? Whatever, all the numbers that they have to get. But they don't think about like, well, what are their actual goals in the long term? And maybe just maybe getting them into a 30-year fix isn't the best thing for them, right? But you have to ask them those questions. So is that what you say is like what you get to, I mean, I would say it's probably what gets you those lifetime clients is you're actually caring about their futures. Absolutely. And that's just me and my heart. That's just how I am. I truly do care about these people because mm -hmm. I have seen our industry you know, a number of years back where we weren't doing it for the right reasons. And I hated right. that you know, but we have to do the right things by the client 
while still being profitable, right? We still have to do right by our company, but we still have to do the right thing for the people because Mm -hmm. if we do, then we all win. It's a win, win, win all around. Even for the real estate agent, if I can keep this client with their realtor by doing something simple, for example, I have, you know, of course, you know, birthday trackers. So Mm -hmm. I get a notification if somebody's about to have a birthday. So if I can shoot a text, to their real estate agent and say, oh, John Clark is about to have a birthday. You know, that's like, you know, papal for them because now they've got a touch with the client that we both help together. It's all the little teeny tiny things that just add up. It's funny because you're the second person that said that. The first time that someone told me that, I was like, that blew my mind. This idea of not only using that birthday for yourself, for selfish purposes in terms of like being able to reach out to the client, but actually helping your realtors reach out to those people. That's brilliant. For whatever reason, the last couple of weeks, I've heard that twice. And it sounds like that's the thing you guys would do. If you're listening to this, make sure you're tracking these birthdays and letting those realtors know. So are you keeping track of who closed that transaction as far as a realtor and then making sure that those people are staying to that specific agent, right? Absolutely. And my database is super simple. It really is. But it has just enough information where I can track you know, who was the buyer agent, who was the listing agent when they closed, you know, just the basic information, you Mm -hmm. know, birthdays and anniversaries. You know, another great touch point is the first anniversary of living in the house. That's Mm -hmm. another great touch point that a lot of people don't necessarily think about. But if you can just call them or send them a card in the mail, you know, happy anniversary. Have you unpacked all the boxes yet? It's just, you know, a great conversation point to stay in touch because you know if that old of you just have to show people that you care and show that they're special because they Mm -hmm. are i mean all of my clients basically provide this beautiful shelter that i have you know my clients and my realtors they help me put my kid through college you know your realtors and your clients you know help you to raise a family of three young kids you know Mm -hmm. that's just it's powerful and i just have you know a lot of gratitude for the people who do let me help them. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's interesting because I think so many times people talk about this concept of like genuine, like authenticity, things like that. But like the truth is like, yeah, that's the cliche thing these days is be authentic. But Mm -hmm. I do truly believe that like being authentically yourself and not trying to front and not trying to be someone different is the best way to attract the type of people you want to work with, right? And so like, you know, you talked about having these different touch points, but, uh, you know, over the years, it's been, you know, mailers, things like that. Like now you're using social media. So what would you say is kind of like your social media strategy or what do you do to stay in front of your clients, your realtors, things like that on social media? If we may, before we go to that, when we talk about being authentic and being your true self, can we just hover there for a second? Absolutely. Because I haven't always been that, sure. right? And sometimes it's a struggle. And it's a struggle to be that because this industry is so stressful, right? Mm-hmm. We got files blowing up in the background. Mm-hmm. We've got this crap being thrown at us left and right. We got rates going up. We just got, ah, right? This business right. is very stressful, especially when we're on the front lines because it's our job to hunt and keep people happy. And I mean, there's been many a times in my life where, 
you know, where I'm a wife and a businesswoman and a loan officer and a mom and a PTA vice president and a chauffeur, you know, making sure everybody gets to practice on time and going to the lake on weekends and getting the groceries and doing the laundry. And when you're that stressed and rolling that fast, for me, I was not my authentic self. So mm -hmm. I had to really learn how to not just play the role of being a good loan officer. And this time of my life, I mean, I'm not raising kids anymore. My kids are grown. You know, I'm just sure. a lot more, you know, just down to earth. I can stop and I can breathe. And sometimes you just have to go outside and put your bare feet in the grass and feel the vibration of the earth, right? And sure. just breathe so that you can be authentic. So there's a lot of people out there and this is to all the loan officers, maybe you're new and you don't have the stress of this job yet. But when you do think about Jill Underwood, the mortgage queen telling you to go outside and breathe, because right. that's what helps to keep us grounded and authentic, which does lead you into the social media of your question. You know, the thing about social is you just have to show who you are. And right, right now I have two things that I do on my socials. And it's basically, yes, I do business posts. I actually have a system of, you know, every either Sunday afternoon or Monday morning, I line them up for the week and mm -hmm. they're businessy and they're just graphics. It's short and it's sweet and it's got the NMLS number on it, but I just line those out for the week. But in the meantime, the other things that I do that are organically based on life right now, it's really, it's my love story, right? So I've been in the business 40 years. You can kind of guess how old I am and mm -hmm. I just got engaged to be married. And so a lot of my other posts really roll around the love story of falling in love at mm -hmm. this late age of life and sure. having a good time with that. So I think I have a lot more followers just because, because I'm in love. <laughs> Right. Well, it's the truth though, right? I mean, you know, people don't want to do business with Jill, the business loan officer. They want to do business with Jill, everything we just talked about, like who you are as a person. People are attracted yeah. to people that are similar to them. And I think so many times people think that to get business on social media, they have to talk about business, but really that's a like 10 to 30% of the content that you post yeah. should be about business. Yes, yeah. people need to know what you do and how you do it and all that kind of stuff. But it's a small percentage of what you do because one, the algorithms, because business posts don't get very much engagement, the algorithms don't favor them very much. Um, right. And so you're not going to get a lot of engagement. But two, that's not what people are relating to. People are relating to who you are as a person. And so, yeah, talking about your family, talking about your business, talking about your vacations or your love stories or whatever it is. I mean, for me, it's my family a lot of times talking about like right. going to soccer games every weekend and doing this and doing that and just, you know, funny dad jokes, just random stuff like that. Because again, it's like, I want to attract the people that have the same and similar values to myself. And when you talk about authenticity as well, I think sometimes people also, especially dealing with social media, where there's like these vanity metrics and most people, what they're doing is they're only putting their best foot forward, right? And I'm not saying use social media as like your diary either. Like don't talk about every single time you're having a bad day, you're <laughs> complaining online, but like yeah. understand that people are attracted to people that are relatable. So if you never talk about your struggles, they're going to be like, well, this person's perfect. Like, I don't relate to this person. Right, right. But if you do talk about your struggles, yeah, again, you're not a whiner on social media. Like, that's also not going to attract good people. But if you talk about everyone's, oh, yeah, man, I struggle with this. This is something that I, that, you know, six months ago, I was dealing with this. 
And one thing I learned from a good mindset coach that I worked with was you don't always have to share things in the midst of the turmoil as either. So if you had a you know problem six months ago, cool, you can talk yeah. about it now. You're out of it. You don't have to talk about it while you're going through those times. But that does create a better persona and a better authentic self because you're showing to other people that you're human. You're not this perfect person that's always on vacation, that makes a billion dollars a year, that travels on jets, all this kind of stuff that you know social media tends to portray as like real life, which you know we both know is not real life. So I love the fact that that's what you're saying as well as like, a lot of it just comes down to your story, your family, what you do on a daily basis. It's cool. Yep. And everybody's different. And that's what I love about it. You know, because you get to do pictures of, you know, kids. Some people get to do pictures of dogs and cats and those cute things. Right. But, you know, so much of it is just is finding your groove and finding mm -hmm. your rhythm and finding, you know, what is shareable, you know. And for me, it's like, I mean, I'm a goofball at heart. So is my man. So, you know, every time I make him take a selfie, he's always making a goofy face. And yeah. sometimes you just got to show, you know, just the fun and the 100%. daily thing. A hundred percent. I mean, I share dad joke memes all the time, right? Like it's just, you know, they're <laughs> dumb, they're dumb and they're whatever, but it's funny. It makes me laugh. And I think that the thing that people think about too is like, well, I got to post value. I got to post value. And like, the truth is like entertainment is value. Like you got to understand that, like, you know, making people laugh is valuable. You're effectively changing their state. And so I think too many times people overthink social media and they think they have to be like this robotic person that like, just like, no, like realistically just be your authentic self. Again, if you're a, you know, a basket case, like don't share all of it. Like just, you know, just share some snippets here and there. Like if you're, you know, a garbage can, you know, just give us a little bit of it, but you know, I'm just joking, but yeah, to a certain extent it's true, you know, share a little bit of the authenticity vulnerability, but not everything, like not every single day. Right. So there's that balance. <laughs> yeah. You know, and socials, socials were hard for me to wrap my mind around sure. because that's not how I grew up. Right. Mm -hmm. When I was growing up, it was, you know, every time I left the house, when I was a little kid, it was my mom saying, don't go tell all the family secrets. And for a long time, <laughs> I really didn't know what that meant, but it meant don't go telling all the family secrets. And now That's funny. We're, we're in a society where you tell all the family secrets, right? That's so funny. So, yeah. But I finally did wrap my head around the fact of what socials mean. And it means when somebody gets referred to me, the first thing they're going to do is Google me. And yes. if I'm out there and they see that I have a business page and they see whatever I'm doing in my life, if they see that I'm on, you know, Insta with a little bit here and whatever, then it lends right. credibility, which is what the yellow pages used to do. You know, a number of years ago, we had a car repair shop. And every time somebody got referred to our car repair shop, the first thing they did was open the yellow pages. And I had to run an ad in the yellow pages so that it wasn't just a little line item with, you know, the name and the phone number and the address. I had to have a display ad because that mm -hmm. lends credibility. So now that yellow pages ad, it's my socials. Yep. So it took me a while to wrap my head around that. But once I did, watch out, the mortgage queen's here. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it is. It's interesting because again, I think so many people, one, overthink it. But two, the other thing too, like you mentioned is 
people are going to Google you. And the truth about things like LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, they have high domain authority, right? And so they're going to show up first in terms of SEO perspective, in terms of ranking on Google, because they're massive sites. So if they look you up, they're going to look at that stuff. And then also like, yeah, they're going to look at reviews. Like, so Google, my business stuff is great. But at the same time, they're also going to go look at what you post and stuff like that. Cause like maybe all you ever post about is political stuff. Right. And so they're gonna be like, well, I don't want to work with that person. They're a whatever flaming liberal. They're a total uh, Republican. Right. And it's okay, I guess, to talk about politics if you want to, if that's kind of like your persona. But I think, you know, being overly that is going to definitely push people away and people are going to look right. at that. No. Um, so I'd rather balance. stay away from it personally. Same here, same here. And I'm just not super political anyway. And so it is what it is. I just don't really care that much, but some people do, and that's part of their brand. And it's okay because again, I mean, one of the concepts of, you know, marketing is that like, you know, if you're for everyone, then you're for no one. Right. And so, yeah, you do want to talk a little bit about who you are, if that's who authentically you are. Right. So you may push people away that, you know, maybe don't like certain things about you. Maybe they don't like kids. Right. Maybe they don't want to see your kid pictures and they'll be pushed away. It is what it is. It is. But at the same time, you're attracting the people that you want to work with. So that's huge. I love the fact that you've kind of learned these things over the years, because I know you talked like before that you were doing things, you know, a lot of the touches used to be a lot more manual, like you mentioned, sending postcards, things like that. And so it's cool that, you know, you've transitioned in the social media era in a way that, you know, a lot of loan officers don't. Yeah. And I do try to make a point, you know, when I get a contract in and I'm, you know, maybe researching the listing agent. So I'll research the listing agent and it's part of my checklist, you know, become friends on Facebook, you know, connect on LinkedIn, you know, just really start to follow their socials. So that's just one more. Because what I've learned too is that, Part of my goal is to monitor how many, you know, friends or, you know, whatever they call that on Insta, but how many people you're following and how many are following you. And so I try to build, you know, year over year, the number of friends that I have on those socials, because of course that just extends the reach. So. Oh, for sure. I mean, you basically get this massive, you know, database on social media that you can market to. You know, you don't have to buy an email drip. You don't have to do any of that stuff. You literally just have access to a bunch of people that uh, you can basically market to without having to have email drips and stuff like that. So that's a pretty cool concept. And yeah, that's what people do a lot of times right now is they're using social media as a platform to grow their business and things like that. And what you've been able to do and what is interesting about social media is you get to build this, you're familiar with the term parasocial relationships, right? It's like in the movies, like, you know, the famous people in the movies are like actors and stuff like that. Like you kind of feel like you develop a relationship with them because you get to see them in movies and stuff like that, or you see their personalities. And so that's what you get to do with social media is showcase who you are. So when they talk to you, they feel like they know who you are, even though they right. don't, like you've never talked to them in your life. You just feel like you know them. And so that's what the power of social media the power of video, especially. And do you do any video in, in terms of any of your content? I do, actually. I love video. I nice. love video. I love video and I love the podcast venue as well. So yes, I do. I've done some videos. And again, my style is a little cheesy because I think it's important to, you know, we have to make fun of ourselves. So I do sure. have some videos that are just, they are cute and they are fun, but they get the message across of how we help people, you know, sure. using the mortgage vehicle to create you know, real estate, wealth and such. So yeah, I love video. I love cheesy video. And I have all kinds of crazy ideas of some things that would be funny to do. So yes, I love video. <laughs> love it. And I had Darren Dawson, the co-founder of BombBomb on, and he talks about this um, concept of like 
video makes it easier for you to sell a complex product, right? And so it is huge to be able to use video as a way to, well, one, showcase who you are as a person too, because especially in this day and age, in the past, you used to meet people in an office, right? Whereas like now, most of the stuff's just done online. And I don't know, maybe you do, but I know a lot of loan officers never even meet their people, right? In person, uh, or yeah. maybe they do, but it's just like, this is a way to uh, showcase who you are. Obviously, yeah. text works really well, but it's not as good as video. So it's cool that you do that. A lot of the borrowers who really, truly want to come and meet with me and will make the effort to drive across town and come and meet with me in my office, in my setting, mm -hmm. a lot of them are the first time home buyers, either sure. that or the elderly. Sure. I'm all ends of the spectrum. I really am. But the first sure. time buyers, I really want to meet with them in person because it's educational. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important to build the bond by educating them on what all of this means moving forward in their life. You know, when sure. you're 21 to 25 years old and completely green at this, I just really think it's important for them to have a professional, you know, because otherwise they're getting advice from, you know, Uncle Bob and right. you know, right. Grandpa Billy. And, you know, that yeah. could be some super old advice now. Yeah, it's funny. It's like, oh, when I bought a house, it was this. It was this. Da, da, da. Like, it's like, all right, well, um, you know, things change, sure. Um, I bought my so, first yeah. house in 1952. Right, right. <laughs> Just... yeah. I bought it for fifty thousand. Why are you buying a house for five hundred thousand? What's going on? Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. you know, that's just how appreciation works. Yep. Um, yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> Gotta love it. Gotta love it. So one of the things you kind of talk about is being able to give value back to your real estate agents. Is there other ways? I know you talked about the sort of secret to letting them know about their birthdays, but is there any other things that you're doing from a realtor perspective to stand out, to help them bring value or like to bring value to them? Well, here's another thing that I think is extremely valuable and it dovetails on why we have to stay in touch with our closed clients and have a mm -hmm. relationship with them. Because if one of my clients comes back to me, you know, to sell or to buy again, if they don't remember who their real estate agent is, or if they didn't like their real estate agent that they had back then, now I have an opportunity to connect yeah. them with someone that they will like and somebody that will work in their best interest. And so sure. for me to be able to give, I call them orphan buyers, for me to give that orphan client to one of my best real estate agents that I know will take care of them. I mean, that's huge, you know? That is Because huge. a lot of realtors, you know, some realtors are like, oh yeah, bring me a referral first and then I'll bring you a loan. Well, you know, I've got a lot of real estate agents, you know, that I have deep personal relationships with that I've done business with for 15, 18 years. And mm -hmm. so I want to make sure that I take great care of them as well. Sure. Yeah, no, it's huge. You do want to do that, right? Like you want to reward the people that have fed you business, you know, if you do come across this. Yeah. And that's one of our main principles as well is, you know, helping loan officers, again, flip the status quo is like, if you can get direct to the consumer, whether that be through ads, whether that be through your own organic marketing, whether that be like you mentioned with orphan people, like most real estate agents haven't ever gotten a transaction back from a loan officer. So if you can bring them a transaction, you're already going to automatically stand out from, I'd say 98% of loan officers out there because you've actually given them value beyond just like, Hey, I do my job. Well, like I'm good at closing loans. I answer the phone, but I've also made you X amount of money in transactions as well. All right. Because we think about it, like, you know, 
was talking to one of my uh, loan officer buddies and he's like, I gave 11 transactions. One of our clients, he's like, give him 11 transactions uh, to a real estate agent. I was like, that's like $60,000 in income you gave that person. Mm-hmm. He's like, yep. And so it's just like, you know, that person's extremely loyal. Let's just say that. And so to wrap this up a little bit, I know we talked a little bit about some sort of higher level things. I always like to leave with one sort of tactic that we can leave with a loan officer. So if you were to start over today, what would be like one strategy that you would go out and do to go get business? If I were starting over? Yeah, making it hard for me. If I were starting over today, well, I would A, make sure that I immediately had a CRM to track my past clients and my closed clients. I would totally do that. If I were starting over today, <laughs> gee, I don't know. That's a great Putting question. Putting you on the spot here. <laughs> you know, I guess if I were starting over today, a lot of the kids that are starting over today, and I'd say kids because I'm old enough to be their mom. A lot of the loan officers that are coming in the business now, which I love to see the new generation coming yep. in because for a while, the average age of a loan officer was something crazy like 55. Yeah, 55 um, and yeah. I was that person. So I'm so excited to see this next generation come in. I don't know that there's something that I would do different because I actually did it. I did everything right. When I came into sure. the business, you know, I dressed the part. I learned my stuff. I would do trainings to realtors I would go in their office meetings and stand in front of them and talk about the market. You know, I would watch CNBC every morning and learn about what was going on in the interest rate market. You know, I actually knew Barry Habib back when he first started on TV. You know, we started in the business at the same time. And so, yes, I used to watch Barry on CNBC in the mornings, but I learned the market. I learned how to talk to people on that level because it gave me credibility in front of the realtors. So it's just, you just absolutely have to be visible and go out there, you know, just meet with them, have a donut together. I don't do coffees, but we used to do a lot of lunches, you know, even if it was me cooking the food and bringing it in. So just really be visible in front of the real estate agents because they're the ones that, If you can help them, you know, by figuring out how to make that buyer become a buyer, even if they can't buy now, let's do this, this, and this. And then they're a buyer in six months and keep that buyer with that realtor. We have to try to keep that relationship together. We can't always, but, you know, just doing those right things every week consistently. And sometimes you'll fall down. And I haven't always been consistent. You know, I moved from Texas to Kansas City, found a new job here, got acclimated, started meeting realtors, then I had a baby, right? And a woman's career, I think, is different than a man's because sometimes as women, we do have to stop and have the baby. Right? Sure. You're right, right. I mean, you <laughs> so, know. you know, just be as consistent as you can while still maintaining your life. There have been oftentimes in this industry where, you know, some people don't believe in work-life balance, but I do. I believe that there is a way that we can have our career and then we can also still have a great family life too. There is a way to do that. So that's what I would recommend. 
I mean, I think the biggest thing is people don't understand how to set boundaries and, you know, then they're maybe working with the wrong realtors as well. I mean, obviously every once in a while, there might be a situation where you may have to pick up the phone at nine o'clock because something happened. But if that's the trend every single week with the same people, like that's just someone who doesn't have control of their business and doesn't understand, you know, the way to run a business. Right. And so again, I think there is some things that you can do that does allow you to have that freedom that you're looking for. If you're willing to put the boundaries in place and just be firm with people and say, Hey, here's the hours that I work. Yep. And the partners that are your real true partners, they're going to be okay with that, right? They would want to do the same thing, right? But the people yep. that aren't, they're just going to take advantage of you. Like, hey, maybe those aren't the right partners for you. And I do love that you said like, oh, I don't know what I would do. But like, I mean, you even said it, like go do trainings for realtors. I mean, that's what you would do. Right? And it sounds like that's what you do. Go find ways to bring value to realtors, show some sort of presentation, market conditions, you know, how to use social media to grow your brand, things like that. I mean, I would say like, you know, that's a huge way to do it. Like show up in a different way, show a class about something, you know, that's going to help them grow their business. I think is the biggest thing is like helping them grow their business, whether it be closing more deals, whether it be attracting more business, whether it be, you know, getting the deals that they don't think they can close closed. There's a lot of different avenues that you can do, but bring value in a way that like, you know, or cook them food. Apparently Jill cooks people food and takes it to them. So I think that might be her secret sauce. Um, So, But you know what, Luke, when you talked about boundaries, here's the thing too, is when you're in a relationship and a friendship, you know, with this real estate agent, they're going to love the fact that every Wednesday is date night because my folks know every Wednesday is date night. Right now we had to change it to Thursday because golf season, but once a week I'm on date night with my man. And when I'm on date night with my man, I don't answer my phone. I just don't, you know? And so they respect that because when I come in the next day, they know that I'm happy. I had date night, you know, and they see what that does to make, right. you know, cause if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. You got to so, make sure. Know, I, I mean... If somebody doesn't respect that you're not available 24 seven, then you're right. That's the wrong person. That's not who I want to be friends with. I want right. to be friends with my realtors, you know, cause yeah. we have fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. You know, so if someone were to learn or wanted to reach out, learn a little bit more about you, what's the kind of the best place they can reach you? Well, I'm at, at I am Jill Underwood. My Facebook is Jill Marie Underwood. Just if you Google Jill Underwood, mortgage queen, you're going to find me. JillUnderwood.com. I'm pretty easy. I think I've got some pretty decent SEO out there. You can find me. I already found your website over here. So I checked that out. So we'll make sure we have all those links down there. If you want to reach out, ask any questions you know, anything like that or yeah. So you can obviously reach out to the, for me, like the biggest things that I took away from today's call or today's, I guess, podcast is what it is, is that really kind of building authentic relationships with everybody, right? I mean, it sounds like you just have been able to do a really good job of building deep, deep relationships with not only your clients, but also your referral partners, which has led to being able to grow over time. And so thinking about it from the standpoint of like, okay, who do you want to do business? And then using you as a personality to attract business, both from a social perspective, but also just from a relational perspective is huge. And then also you talked about, you know, being able to, you know, help bring value to your real estate agent. So again, as we always talk about on the Loans On Demand podcast is really all about how can you flip the status quo? How can you bring value to your real estate agent partners in a way that's different? You know, we talked about a couple of different ways you could do that, but the one that I still like the best Hey, if you have a way to track birthdays, you know, let your agents know when someone's coming up. I think that's such a cool thing. It's such a small thing, but so cool. And I'm sure I know lots of real estate agents don't even have a CRM. So like to them, that's probably blowing their mind. Like, how'd you know that? You know, so that's huge. 
So thank you for everyone for listening. And if you're looking for help flipping the status quo on real estate agents, go to flipthestatusquo.com. I don't even know my own uh, domain. <laughs> flipthestatusquo.com. Yeah, have a great one. And thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning into the Loans On Demand podcast on loansondemandpodcast.com. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.